0: Two more batting collapses have put England on the brink of losing the third England West England-West Indies Test match. And questions have risen again about their performances under Captain Joe Root, as well as the lingering questions on their bowling attack, which is looking pretty toothless. They couldn't clear- clinically finish off um, a West Indies lower order with like only two wickets needed. They took one at the very start, and then after that, another 60 runs were scored. Apart from this, on Saturday, the IPL officially started. And it started with some classic MS Stoney batting, which we haven't really seen very much, you know, over the last couple of years. Not enough 50s from MS Stoney. We'll look at that later on the Complete Cricket Podcast. As usual, please like, subscribe and share this episode with anyone you know who likes cricket. Without further ado, let's get started. We have to start with England West Indies because it's just so shocking. Yet it seems really familiar. You know, we, we basically what we saw last year. You know, we. I think England have a, a whole, like, a knack of giving everyone hope by scoring, like, a couple of centuries. You know, scoring something big, like, 500, for example, they did score. Um, then after that, just completely shattering all of it by just getting out so quickly. Obviously, we've spoken a lot on this podcast about, you know, why it might have happened, you know, what the specific issues, do we need personnel change, things like that. But I think it's, honestly, for me, it's just down to a lack of responsibility. Zay, do you agree with that? Do you think it's just down to... England, England top order batters just not playing carefully enough, and not realizing that they're like we're dependent on them to score. They they can't rely on like the middle and lower order.
1: Yeah, so I would agree with you. It definitely is a lack of responsibility. I just think um, a lot of players, a lot of batsmen at the top order, they just they're just really not batting. Not really looking at um, they're not really looking at like I'm at the top order. I need to bat long and bat for a long time. I think we, we can give Alex Leeds a bit of an exception. I think he actually he's actually done pretty decent. Also, he's new to Test cricket, so you can't really put the blame on him. But I just think I think English, English batting as a whole, it's been, I think, for a while now, and the Ashes and all that. I just think a lack of responsibility and a lack of coordination. Like it's, it's, it's all good, like, picking batsmen or bowlers or players that just are good, but you need to look at the sort of conditions you're in or, like, the balance of your team. I just don't think um England are thinking about that enough and and then that comes under Root's captaincy as well. You know, there's been plenty of questions on him as well. And I just think English batting just not enough coordination or responsibility. They just really need to like um maybe their top four just have like a long discussion about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Because if you can plan an in innings then it's much easier to do it. Then, you've got to like know where do you want to go after 20 overs or after the first session and then i think now that'll, that'll help england much more because at the moment it's just looking like a lack of coordination responsibility
0: yeah no i think it's just honestly i think there's a point where the discussions isn't enough and now i think we've by far reached that point you know we had a horrible test year last year you know we i think we won like one test we drew two and lost everything else and it was just a, a lack of um, there was lack of responsibility lack of um, might have been the wrong uh, wrong staff in charge wrong players pick for example now we we're supposed to be on our you know the start phases starting phases of the Red Bull reset we did talk about this last episode um with John Batham, but uh, you know are we actually is there an actual Red Bull reset not it doesn't look like it because there's just not been enough change and the fact is is that we can't have discussions anymore. I think it's just gotta be more it's gotta be more to do with like the mentality of the batters, you know. A lot of people like Zach Crawley, you're you're an opener and he's sort of playing like a T20 or an ODI opener, you know, he's going at loose balls. But the real the reality is that especially at the start of a test match, that's not gonna help. That's honestly not gonna help. You shouldn't be going after loose balls, you should just control yourself, have a bit of patience. And we've we've seen that in other test matches with them. Um, uh, but, like, even in West Indies, England West Indies uh, test match, like Nkrumah Bonner, you know, showed a lot of patience, a lot of control. You see people like Azar Ali as well in uh, Pakistan showing a lot of control. But there's just such a lack of control by England's batters. They're like, if they see a ball, they just go after it and just get out in most stupid of ways. And it's, it's really frustrating. But uh, also, there is, a, there is a, um, a feeling now that, like, England. Are just scoring England scoring ground, They scored five hundred, I think, last test, and that was on a completely dead pitch, which didn't offer anything to the bowlers. People like Chris Wokes struggled on that pitch to bowl because it was so dead, and it's understandable. But when it really comes to what's important, when there's a proper pitch that, uh, which is like a lot of pitches in Test cricket, which has you know swing uh, seam and swing, we just cannot perform, and that's the truth. And it, reality is is that um if it's going to continue going like this, we just got to do another reset, got to swap more people off. Um, but Zay, do you think we've got the strongest team on? Do you think this is the strongest team that England can play, in even batting and bowling, or do you think there could be some additions?
1: Be fair, I think this team is looking strong, but like there's still some questions going around the, the English setup. Like you've just left out your two main bowlers, you know Stuart Broad and James Anderson. And yes, uh, I wouldn't really bring both of them on tour. I would bring, probably bring one of them and. Doesn't really matter who you bring, maybe Stuart Ball or Doesn't really matter, but I just think one of them needs to be there, like to give, like they're Anderson and Broad. They're not going to be around for too long now, so I just think while while they're coming to the back end of their career, they just need to pass on uh, the some of the experience that they, some of the knowledge of the cricket they have, and all 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 the years of experience that they've got. They can pass that on to. Younger bowlers, Matthew Fisher, Saki mood Ollie Robinson, these are great bowlers. They just need that sort of support from a um, great bowler, great, you know, Anderson, oh, they're great bowlers. And I just think uh, this is a strong team, but again, it's not really much coordination, especially with the bowlers. Like sometimes I'm questioning, like, are they here on a reset or are they trying to win? Because on based on their team selection, English team selection, it seems like they're here for... Reset because they've left out their two main bowlers. Their batting is looking slightly different from the Ashes. They've got Dan Lawrence coming in, they've got Alex Lees, they've got Saki Mahmoud in, Matthew Fisher, and Ollie Robinson's obviously a question of his fitness. But to me, the selection looks like a reset, but then when they're playing, it doesn't feel like a reset. It feels like they're trying to win because you've got Saki, if you're trying to re- have a reset, then why Saki Mahmoud, your fifth bowler? I think it was the second test, or something. He was the fifth bowler, so I I don't think they're really planning this well, England. And I think the team, um, I don't think I think the team is pretty strong, but there just needs to be I think one of the main bowlers, uh, either one of Stuart Broad or Anderson, one of them has to come back for just a, just one tour, maybe two tours, and then pass on that information to their younger bowlers, and then I think after that then. And once England are coordinating a bit more and then they understand what they want to do, then I think they'll have a much stronger team. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the skill of the players at the moment.
0: Yeah, I sort of agree, but I still don't think they have their strongest team. In terms of batting, Alex Lees, honestly, he's seeming okay. You know, he's not exactly like, got off like, you know, ducks in a row. He's actually scored 31. I think he scored something in his 30s. He's looking all right, but I would still... I don't know I'm I'm a Rory I'm a Rory Burns fan, so I think I'd, I'd bring him in. But um, also in terms of bowling, like it's a fact of utilising what you've got now. Like, do you, if you're going for a reset, we get it that you have to change things. But why would you change something that isn't broken? Why would you take off Stuart Broad, for example? I get Jimmy Anderson, you want to hold him on for the summer, but like Stuart Broad is potentially could have still three four years left of his career as a bowler and and leading England's pace attack with the lack of experience we have now. I think that's what we need and. People like Chris Wokes, Craig and especially overseas, they're just indifferent. Like they've not got a single variation. There's not really that much um, uh, that much difference in them. Like that will give that that focal point to the bowling attack. And Stuart Broad does do that. You know, it's not as if he he takes wickets everywhere. You know, you could. There's an argument for Jimmy Anderson having not being able to take wickets and not having the same impact uh, overseas. But with Stuart Broad, there isn't there isn't that argument. So I I just don't get why they've done that. But anyway. That Even even forgetting that, just in general, there's just been a lack of, um, in terms of bowling attack, there's been a lack of clear plan, you know, there's just been a pointless, there's been a lot of pointless, sometimes there was a bit of um, short bowling in the previous test, that was just useless, in this test, some of the short bowling was actually quite effective, but it really depends on the conditions, and that's what England got to bear in mind, there's no specific plan for every test, like, you know, there's no plan for, like, a blanket plan for all tests, it's dependent on each test and the conditions, but anyway, as long as obviously the players coming under question, there's also been a question of Joe Root's captaincy, and in terms of his captaincy, there's been a, a big um, push, especially like on social media. For example, like I was just I was looking on the BBC Sports and um, uh, the BBC Sports like um, stream where there's, like people texting and things, and a lot of them were saying, you know, Joe Root just. Um, you know, Joe Root's not got the ta- tactical um, ability to be a captain. You know, he's just favouring his own, like people. Who's, he's, he's giving too much loyalty to certain bowlers and not playing to actually um, give them a bit, give their side a chance. And then there's like a... Um, obviously, when you've, got, when you've got a team for like eight wickets down and then you somehow let them score like an extra and they've scored like 230, it's a new day. Uh, you've got new fresh bowlers, you know, um, slept and rested and got ready. And that you can't let a team score an extra sixty runs. That's an extra quarter of runs. So that's actually sixty runs in that in that um scale is a huge amount. And um that's how much West Indies managed to add to their overnight total, and it managed to give them a lead of like ninety in the end. And it was really because the lead of ninety when you've only scored like when England have only scored two hundred. That's nearly an extra half of their innings ex- extra lead. So it's really it took them. And considering how shaky his batting was, that was so detrimental to their um to their uh, overall score because they only scored 104 or 8 and they or only 10 runs in the lead so where do you think Joe Root how, how much do you think you blame Joe Root for this and is there any specific incidences or specific um, actions that you think Joe Root uh, should be for blamed for and uh, and yeah that's pretty much it dude
1: yeah so obviously you think you, you know there's something going wrong in the England camp, when, when you've been thrashed by Australia in the Ashes and you're not doing particularly well against the West Indies. like Obviously, there's got to be questions raised. And Root, I just think, he, we, he's been captain for a while now. And I just think that we're starting to find out that Root, maybe not, maybe he isn't the best decision maker. Maybe, he, he, maybe he's under a bit too much pressure now. You know, like, it, I just think even... I just think Root, he's he's just struggling really. I don't think he's the correct man for captain. I think we should he he's a great batsman by all the means. He's an amazing batsman, I think. So I just think Root Root just he's just really like I don't think there's anyone else really to be captain instead of him. I just think Root his decision making as a whole hasn't been up to the mark. It just needs to be, if he's gonna continue being captain, it's gotta be um it's gotta be better, you know. You just he's got to like think carefully about what he's doing because sometimes it's just he's not thinking everything through. And I guess like we can't we can't blame him too much because like obviously he's got batting he he's got his batting to be worried about. And the problem is he's been batting amazingly past few years, but I just think Root isn't the correct man. And then the problem comes when. Who who else can you put as captain? The only obvious other obvious person would be Ben Stokes, but even with him, he's we don't know how he's going to go. Like I've never seen him captain testing before, so I just think Root kind of captain by default, and and there's no real other option for England, and they've got to find one soon because Root isn't going to hang around that long. I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, I I think if you're going to do a complete reset, and it was a huge big deal in social media, just about general leadership they were making a big deal you know we're going to change we're going to you know completely rewrite this team you can't have the same captain because it's the same captain means same ideas same um, philosophy as such same you know mentality and that's causing issues because they're not scoring enough runs and obviously there's the physical you know cricket ability side to it but as you said the players that we've got in our team aren't not they're not they are they are all talented, you know. They're all good, well, good players, but then if a captain can't shape them up and make a good team out of them, then is he really a good captain? No, and that's the truth. And it's something that a lot of fans are going to find hard to you know accept, but it is a truth. But then, you know, I, I think I think England should give Ben Stokes a shot at it. Um, I'm trying to think who else could really be a captain. There's no one you could say Johnny Bairstow. To be fair, I think he could, but he wouldn't be a long-term option anyway. He, he, he obviously could pro- he probably base like, like a couple, three, four years, but it's not really, you know, it's not really, he's also like, he's in the team and he's probably going to be in the team constantly now, but I still, you know, it wouldn't be your, he's still not, I don't think he has enough tactical ability as well. Like you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't picture Johnny Bersa as a captain, but yeah, there's just, it's just a lack of options in a way. It's just a lack of options as, as well as like our, um, captain we've also there's also been um, a change in personnel like up top in terms of the managing director and head coach we've got interim head coach in the form of paul collingwood who is a former england um, bat, uh, batter and then we've also got um, our managing director which is um, sir andrew Strauss. Uh, these both are um, both are, uh, just, just for temporarily until we find a permanent one but paul collingwood has already said that he wants to be um, head coach or he'd be interested in being head coach permanently Say, so, what do you think um, as a for a head coach? What do you think of the characteristics or like the certain focus that um, the head the incoming head coach should have, like in terms of uh, how the how the players perform and how do you think they what they need to do to make our test team into uh, a much better test team? So,
1: yeah, you've got to like looking at the England's current situation, in, especially in test cricket. Obviously, they're doing poorly. As as a as a coach, you've got to have that, like, skill to be able to sort of make something out of nothing, you know, because, like, England haven't are struggling. They, they don't really know what they're doing, really, and obviously Roots decision-making, we talked about that. So you've got to have a coach that um, uh, has some experience, and you've got to have a coach that can help, you, help the team work out something, plan something for the next couple of years. You know, you, we saw back in... Uh, a while ago with Justin Lang when he came into the Australian team, they were they were completely dead there. And the way him and Tim Payne managed to form Australia, they got their respect back and, you know, um made Australia much better again. So that we need a coach, something like that. Uh, and obviously the captain's is different. Like that's a completely different discussion. But I think as a coach you've got to have that uh, main uh, the main thing you've got to have is be able to make something out of nothing. Like You've got to, like, have... You can't... So A lot of coaches would be good when uh, oh, the team's got something already, you know, but, like, at the moment, England haven't really got much. And as a coach, you've got to have that, like, patience with your team and be able to create opportunities, find players, because when it comes to, especially Test cricket, there are loads of players out there, but it's, like, who, who can actually... Uh, play under those difficult circumstances. Who has the mental ability to do so? Because a lot of players, they 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 won't have, they not be might, might, they won't be different in terms of skill, but they will be in terms of mental ability. And as a coach, you've got to be able to uh, spot that and be able to work that out. So I think the main things that the, an England coach has got to have is uh, to be able to make something out of nothing and have that patience to work with the England team
0: yeah no i completely agree this is not a short term project this is a long term project and we need someone who can just who can be committed enough to sustain it to get back up to the top of test cricket and that will like the odi reset that we have recently had you know from 2015 to 2019 is like the period um you need it's going to be a bit it's a long project it's not going to happen in the next year um well obviously we'd hope so but i don't think it will um yeah that's that's pretty fair but also as well as thinking like who is the next coach head coach you've also got do you want a white ball coach and a red ball coach separately or one coach altogether? we've had one coach all together in the form of um uh in, in our previous coach we've had um paul collingwood is a coach uh in all three um formats uh well um chris silverwood uh initially it seemed like he did an amazing job you know winning the odi world cup and then um oh sorry no that what am i saying that was that was trevor bayless um but yeah, so Chris Hillwood led us from there. Um, we were at probably like a peak and, you know, he's sort of, we managed to sustain that in terms of short ball formats. But since then, it's sort of like the emphasis on short ball formats has coincided with the, um, you know, crumble of test cricket. And, you know, there's not really been any improvement. Do you think that white ball and red ball should be separate or should be together? And what are the benefits of each? What was the benefits of having them together, one coaches uh, for all three or having coaches separately, for both formats?
1: I think uh, the, the there should be a separate coach for white ball and Red Bull because they're the same game but I just think they they're, they're completely there's a completely different format like in t20 cricket and ODI cricket white ball cricket you've got to be playing it's just there's a different approach to the game and some coaches will be good with helping a team go through that rather than uh, having that um, red Bull test match sort of format where you're just hanging on uh, just staying there, you're not really looking for runs. You're 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 getting them slowly. You're you're looking for wickets. In white ball cricket, it's a bit different. Like you're obviously looking for wickets, but you can't let go too many runs as well. And I just think like it, it both both like the format right? white ball. It's all about runs and uh stopping those runs. as a batsman, you're scoring runs. Wickets like yeah, it does it doesn't matter as much as in red ball cricket. So I think. And in terms of bowling, then you've got, you're looking for wickets, but you're also looking to stop, to stop running bowl your Yorkers, bouncers, you you're not going to bowl Yorkers in red ball cricket, unless, like, really situation advances. You're going to be bowling good line and length, but if you bowl that in white ball cricket, you're going to get whacked for six. Like, that's literally in the slot. But you're, that's not going to happen in red ball cricket. They're going to be playing, you know, leaving the ball, playing and missing, uh, driving, they're going to be playing classic shots that we've seen Back in the 1980s, 1990s cricket. So I think you've got to have two different coaches because I think if one coach can focus on red ball cricket, then they don't have to think about the other side of, of cricket. Think about think about white ball cricket, which is really a completely different format and you have to play differently. And, and, and similarly, if you have a white ball uh, coach, then they don't have to be concerned about what's going on with the red ball setup because they're obviously not the coach. Because I just think it's much easier to have two different coaches. Now, I'm not sure what the players think of that, but um, obviously you've got to have that sort of uh, agreement with the players and the, um, the coaching staff. So obviously you've got to have that discussion. But I think that two coaches, uh, for different two different uh, formats, I think that's the way to go.
0: Yeah, and no, you sort of led on to the next point, which is like how will the players adapt having two different leadership? You know, there's going to be two different styles completely the fact about two different formats is that the batting is just completely different. You know, the fact, the amount of patience you need in, in um, red ball cricket, there's a amount of control, discipline. And then you've also got white ball cricket where the risk, the, the, the the, um, risk to reward rate is different. You know, that early on, there's a lot more reward, but there's high risk. And, um in test cricket early on there's a lot more risk but there isn't as much reward you know there's early on there's no need to hammer through and score very rapidly you can go at one two runs and over and then accelerate as the ball gets older there's you know it's it's a different like if you were to put on a graph in terms of when you accelerate and then when you um de-accelerate, um you can see that in red ball cricket, it's always that the first, you know, first 10 overs will be a lot of it. acceleration, especially in like ODI, first six in T20. Then it might start to slow down a little bit. Then if you get to the last 10 in ODI and the last uh, four or five in T20, it's going to start um, re-accelerating. Whereas in tests, it's always pretty different. It starts off slow, middle overs, you really have to accelerate. And then it might get, as a new ball comes back, it might slightly dip it a little bit. So it's a completely different game. And it's, it's just too hard to keep, one coach covering all of it but if they do there's going to be a lot more pressure on them there's going to be a lot more expectation because they can't put their efforts for you know purely on test cricket and then let ODI and T20 just fade you've got to have that balance so yeah I would agree with that and I'd say that um, it's a lot better to have uh, the two separate coaches but the real question is can you get two separate coaches You you need to have two coaches who are willing to do you know a coach is willing to do ODI and T20 and a coach is willing to do tests We'll see, you know, that there are um, possibilities, but um, it's not definite at the moment. And it's not very like, there's, it's not guaranteed at the moment. Like you, you could easily get a coach for all three. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it for our, like, uh, talking about England, English cricket. You know, I think we've had enough of talking about English cricket, too much sadness. But yeah, um, the IPR actually um, started on Saturday with CSK versus KKR. Last episode with John Batham, we did talk about, you know, 10 teams and IPL having two extra teams. How what benefit does it have? Is it gonna really is it gonna make anything better? The reasons for it and things like that. But we didn't really talk, talk about the actual IPL format and the way it's going because it's a quite a different format to last year. So there are there are two groups now, and they're they're seeded based on how many times they won the IPL. So with Mumbai being one group and then Chennai and the next group, because Mumbai won the IPL five times. I think Chennai won it four, I'm not sure. But um, uh, and then they go like that, and then there's two groups, split five teams each. Um, obviously, Lucknow and Gujarat are separate team, uh, separate groups because they none of them they this is their first season, so they can just be in separate. Um, so each team will play the teams in its group twice. So, so for example, Mumbai will play all the, uh, the other four teams in its group twice, meaning eight matches. They also play Mumbai will also play all the teams in the other group once, which is an extra five matches, so 13 total. And then one other team, they will also play. But that's picked in a draw that they will do once the first 13 have done, I think. So, they, in total, they're going to play 14 matches. Then the, all teams do this. And then there's the usual eliminator. Honestly, I just don't get it. Why would you make a system so complicated? Why two groups? Why you play teams in each group twice? You know, teams in each group once. Like, if for a new person, someone is relatively interested in cricket, and just for them to understand, you know, this whole complicated system, I don't just don't see the point. Say, so, what do you feel about this whole system? And do, what do you feel about the necessity on it as well as the groups as well? How do you feel they are? Just in general, what do you think about the new IPL 2022?
1: Yeah, because, like, IPL is different, you No, know? It's probably the biggest the biggest uh, T20 franchise tournament in the world. And so many people, they're new to cricket, they turn to the IPL. In India, you've got thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people that watch cricket and they're, they're massive fans of cricket. Lots of people watch the IPL, and with this new format, it kind of just feels a bit random. Like you got two groups, but and yet you're playing people in the other group as well, and you're playing teams in the other group. And it's just why? Like it's just a bit feels a bit unnecessary. And like I don't understand why can't they just do the normal thing? You know, um, it used to be eight teams. You play the other seven teams twice. Maybe if you if you do that now, it might get a bit too much. But why not just do? That they're 10 teams, just play the other nine teams once. Why not just do that? Because it just makes a bit more sense, you know. I think doing this, firstly, it makes that I think there are more matches now because each team plays 14 and they're 10 team, not eight. So that's even longer. Like like for the players who are not going to be playing that much, who are just really there to gain some experience from the top players, then that that's just that's just two months of their whole year gone down the drain they haven't played a single match two months is a lot of time in a year so I just think this this new format firstly it's confusing for um just a normal person like you and me who's just watching IPL with fans the IPL we we enjoy it it's just like it takes ages to work out what's actually going on secondly it's just for, for actual, actual players it's so long like two months uh, of 14 games it's a lot of a lot of, like, mentality has to, has to be gone into it. And I just think it's just unnecessary. Like, if I was... If I was Firstly, I wouldn't even add the new, two new teams. I don't think that's necessary. But we talked about that last week. And secondly, I just think, if you've done it, then just go back to the usual thing, like, ten teams and play nine... Just play each team once. It's just much easier, much easier for people to understand. And it's just... Yeah, I'm sure it must have taken some of the players even a bit of time working out what's going on. So I just think this is unnecessary and I would have, I would have gone with the usual format of last year.
0: Yeah, honestly, the, the only difference, like, in terms of... The only point in doing this is just to get more matches, which means a more commercial revenue. Like, obviously, uh, the IPL will benefit by getting two... It'll get a load of money. I think it's, like, some of these teams... In order to put two new teams, the people who own the teams had to bid, like, loads of money. Like, I think it was near... A, near a billion pounds so IPOs can get all that money excuse me and they'll also get they'll also get um loads of money from commercial rights because the more matches means more times to put sponsorships and etc and put more input on people's mind get more sales it's just it's, it's basically a money thing you know it's just them trying to get more money and if you look at 2019 world cup for example there was 10 teams each team played each other once and In there, it was a it was a very good sized tournament. It kept you captivated, kept you interested. And with the IPL, when you've got like seventy matches or something, however many it is, it's just so boring in the end because like you're obviously all everyone's always really interested at the start of the IPL and also the very end when they're looking oh my god who's gonna come which place etc etc. But then in that middle stage, it's gonna get really dead because there's just too many matches and it's just it's gonna go on forever and ever. You want the IPL to be like a short one month, one and a half month tournament that keeps you really interested and excited. Otherwise, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, oh, my God, it's coming. The IV has come back again. It's, you know, it's just been 10 months. It's come. Honestly, I just don't see a point. In terms of players' work, Players' workload, you, you you mentioned about people, you know, who are picked in the squad might be, like, on the fringes, don't really play that many matches, like one or two. They got to, That's a waste of their time because they could be playing more regular cricket in different tournaments or they could be, like, you know, going back to their home countries and training. Um, also, the fact that the people who are playing day in, day out in every match they're going to be very physically and mentally exhausted. As a bowler, I would be exhausted. And even a batter, you know, it's just tiring just being on and on and on. And it's just going to be – I think it's going to be too much. And there's going to be a lot of – you know, it's going to be a lot of rotation and such, but that means well, – with rotation means you're not playing the strongest team um, every uh, – you're not playing the strongest team every match. And also injuries will come up. There's just so many, like, lead, uh, problems there to it. If you just done what uh, you were mentioning, which is, like, 10 teams – Put them all in one group just play each other once and then do the semi finals um you can even do you can still do the eliminate system that's fine you know if you really wanted to then life would be a lot easier for the players and i think you know it'd have it, the quality of the cricket will be better but yeah overall i think the quality of the cricket will be a lot better um we obviously we've talked about the ipl format we actually need to talk about like you know csk kkr which was yesterday's match uh it, it was a low scoring match uh, it was um it wasn't was sort of an ordinary match in a way like it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything exciting. I remember last IPL um the first couple of matches the scores got like two hundred runs in t- twenty overs very you know fireworks smashing blah, blah blah. This wasn't really like that and it was but, you know I think um KF what's his name it's Western C CSK scored one hundred and thirty one for five and KKR scored one hundred thirty four I think it was one hundred thirty three. They managed to chase it down in eighteen point three overs. And the only reason CSK even got that, that close to a decent total was because MS Stoney's 50, something we haven't seen in a while. So I'm, I'm it's really, you know, like surprising for a lot of players, uh, sorry, a lot of fans. Seeing um, any hardcore CSK fan would love seeing MS Stoney score a trademark 50. 50 off 38 balls. Um, this is a, He actually was replaced, well, he stepped down as captain uh, recently. And this is Ravindra Jadeja, who's a new captain. It's his first match in captaincy. And they did lose... Uh, is there any highlights, specific highlights of the match that you would say? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, Emma Stony, as you said, you got 50th, 38th pool thing, and obviously, he batted really well. And something we haven't seen for a long time is you know, his firepower, like he's getting he's definitely at the end of his career now. And some of the questions is, like, when, when is he going to continue on for? Because he obviously retired from in cricket, but IPL cricket, it's kind of like. You know how we just talked about, like, the, the, the really long format going to take lo- a, a very long time? Someone like MS Dhoni and you, you, even CSK, they're, like, an ageing side, you know? They've got players that are, like, 36, 37, coming to the end of their career. Someone like MS Dhoni, right, he, he, he's going to be comp- exhausted, you No, know? I think a couple of years ago, that was, like, near the end of the tournament, uh, there was a stage where he was... Um, his batting and I think it was the final maybe. His batting, and then he, was, he had tr- trouble breathing. And that's just that's purely because of this massive format. You know, 14 games constantly, you know, one every you're playing a game every two or three days. That's not easy, you know, especially with someone like Emma Stoney. So I just think that that that's that's something that's got to be addressed. And also in terms of highlights, I think there wasn't really much to on off, really. Like it was just um, CSK completely missed right? I'm not really worried about their batting, actually. I think Guy Quad uh, and Conway, they're looking, they're, they're very good players and they'll, they'll be fine in the future, I think. Robin Osipar, he showed a glimpse of what he can do. Uh do we've seen him over the years? He's pretty good. And I just think, obviously, Jadeja, newest captain, and um, that'll be interesting to see how he goes on in the future. But I think um, CSK, they're kind of just, Misfire, I think that's not really what they're capable of. And in terms of KKR, I think uh, Rohane at the top did, did really well. We got like 45 or something and in, in decently quick time. And and then at the end there, you've got Sam Billings. I think I watched a little period and he was reverse sweeping everything. So it's quite interesting. And for me, the main highlights would be um, CSK's MS Tony and um, KKR at the top there with uh, Rohan and Bengtis Aya. Uh, with a solid start and powering their way through, and in the end, it, it was a bit of a struggle, but um, it was a bit of a fight. And but they did get over the line pretty, pretty comfortably in the end.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know. There's there has been a, a big shakeup in CSK's team, so you can't expect the exact same team as last year. You've got Fafty have gone. You know, the huge run scorer, I think, scored like 600 kind of runs last season. So you're right about CSK's aging team as well. That's gonna I think this season they'll probably be able to survive and they might they can put a title a launch and they can try and win the title. But I think next season it's gonna really affect them. I think like people like I'm expecting Emma Stoney to retire, Ambati Raidu and um, Robin Uthafa could will probably play, but they're still they're not really, they're not exactly lighting up the tournament, are they? They're sort of like your forgotten heroes as such. So honestly, I'm not really betting on them. But yeah, there's another match today as well. And there's just gonna be constant matches. You're gonna have something to watch, and it's all on Sky Sports. So if you have Sky Sports you have be to watch loads of matches. But Yeah, will be it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's all IPL is always good, but it's whether it's whether the quality of the is whether the players' welfare is being looked at is a real question, you know. We won't we won't be able to see it very clearly, but the players could be struggling and 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 it's not really fair on them to be forced to play this many matches. They're getting paid loads, congrats to them, but they're also gonna consider player welfare, which is um something that needs to be at the forefront of um the IPL like board um, committee as in their, in their mind, because I think it's gonna really Cause some detriment to them to the players, but yeah. Anyway, uh, let's contact uh, any other in general just past cricket in the last week. We've also had the Australia Pakistan uh, Test series come to a close. The first two tests were a draw, and the, this test actually, the third test actually looked like it was going to be a draw until a late fight back from Western um, from Australia me- me- meant they bowled out um, Pakistan and actually won the, the won the last test. So it was one nil. Uh, the first two pitches were pretty dead. This third pitch had a bit more life in it, but still. Um, there needs to be a look into the pitches honestly I think there needs to be a look into the picture. pitches in um, Pakistan because they're really dead and there's literally no life in them and when you've got test cricket and there's no life in the pitches it's literally just who can score the most runs for fun you know it's just it's just, it's, it's just no struggle the bowlers just bowl and they toil away with no just no success It's they need something the pitch needs to offer something do you agree with that Zay?
1: Definitely like there's no point having a pitch which is just easy for the batsman to score runs on and the bowlers can't really do anything. And in, in, in the modern day, in the modern era in cricket, bowling's already hard enough, you know, in, in the white ball format. And um, it's just bowling is almost impossible in the white ball format. It's really difficult. And in the test format, that's the only place where bowlers actually get a chance to really um, showcase beautiful, um, Line length delivery, beautiful swing, beautiful spin, whatever it is. And I just think if you're making pitches like that, that's just ridiculous. Like why on earth are you making just pitches? Like Pakistan have really got to uh, look into this and whatever the next series is, look um, improve their pitches and put something in there for the bowlers. There's no point having um, cricket, which is just teams batting for a day and a half and getting 300, 400 runs and then coming to stage, oh, we need to declare now. Like it, it's really nice to see someone declare, but it's always nice to see runs as well. But um, I, I I always enjoy seeing like a nice, you know, maybe maybe a nice swing ball that uh unplayable delivery or something uh, that the batsman plays and misses or edges it to first slip or something because that's something I really like to see and it just means that the competition is much more interesting and engaging. It just for me, like the, the the couple of minutes I've seen um for the short amount of time I saw the Australia Pakistan series test test match was just I saw um a hot humid ground with a dry pitch that looked like there was nothing in it for anyone and just batting 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 which is literally really really wanted me to turn off my TV straight away and move on to something like the IP or something. So I think just think there's really got to be something looked into the Pakistan um pitches and then once they've done that, then there can be much more interesting play with, for the bowlers, especially.
0: Yeah, it's just not its not a very good advertisement of um, Test cricket in general. And it's not exactly doing things to bring more people watching Test cricket. But yeah, apart from that, we also had the um, uh, Women's World Cup. England women did manage to qualify by beating Bangladesh. And it was a very shock turnaround considering they lost their first three matches then they won the next four on the trot. Um, they've also... Uh, the, the England women have guaranteed qualification as well as Australia, South Africa. Now it's really the battle between um, India, and West Indies, who are the two teams that could qualify. Uh, India need to win the current match they're playing against South Africa uh, in order to qualify, whereas if they don't win it, then uh, West Indies automatically qualify. Uh, in terms of upcoming cricket for next week, uh, you've got the Women's World Cup semi final on Tuesday and Thursday, and then a final on Sunday. Uh, I think the semi final. It, we don't know to confirm who's going to be playing each semi-final, but I think it could be either Australia and England, and then South actually no, sorry, Australia and either Indian West India and West Indies, one of the two, and then South Africa and um, England. So it's going to be interesting, but um, I honestly I wouldn't hope for England to win. I think it's the competition's too tough. They might just get knocked down the semis, but if they do, and if they do manage to win the whole World Cup, it'll be a it'll be a completely um shocking comeback story by far. Considering you've lost the first three momentums against you and then you win the next four and just continue winning. It's just crazy. It's honestly ridiculous. But, you know, we've got to hope. They can do it. They've got a talented team, but they've got to improve their fielding and they've got to sort out consistency in batting. But anyway, apart from that, we've also got the Pakistan-Australia ODIs, which is um, uh, following the test series. I think this will be even more of an even contest, especially because Pakistan have got a pretty good ODI team. Uh, in comparison to their test team. And then obviously Australia, a very dominant force in ODIs. And then obviously, as we've mentioned before, the IPL is still going on. Um, You're going to have a lot of matches. And um, at the moment, there isn't much to talk about because there's only been one. But by next week, there should be at least another four or five matches at least. So yeah, there'll be a lot more results. And we get to see the two new teams, um, Lukno Super Giants and Gujarat Titans in action, which will be really nice to see because... um, Personally, look, those kind of super giants looking really strong. I think they're looking very, very good. But yeah, that's it from us today. Thank you, Zaid. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoy this uh, podcast. It really helps us. But apart from that, that's it. So thank you, Zaid.